Welcome to the Purple Rock Survivor Podcast. I am John, and I am really looking forward to some reasonable, unbiased discussion about Survivor Cambodia with my co-host, Andy. Thank God, because I've been looking forward to that for over a season now. <laughs> oh, yeah, this should be fun because you can represent the voice of the haters that pretend like they're being objective, and I'll represent the voice of reason in this one. Yes, yes, one of us has to pretend to be objective. <laughs> I will say, and you've already set the tone, that it is tough to uh, have the stances I have because I hate the people that agree with me. Uh, not, not all of them. Uh, our listeners, of course, are fantastic. But there are things that I will discuss tonight that will put me in the camp of some people I find awful. Uh, and if you don't think I will use that to attack your position, you're insane. That's fine, because I have a lot of attack strategies of my own. Uh, so we should maybe talk about the thing that's so clearly going to dominate the first part of the episode, at least. Shireen. I am very, very biased in favor of Shireen. You pretend that you are objective, and yet you are actually slightly biased against Shireen. So you tell me your opinion of that episode. It was fine. It was a story of how people fail at Survivor. And, that, and what I liked about it is it did not hide that. There was no shenanigans about, you know, was it this? Is it, is it going to work? Is it not? Uh, and I think partly because there was nothing there for them to do that with. There wasn't a countermeasure to pretend like one side versus the other. But yeah, it was good to see all of the fail up on our TV screen so that unless you're incredibly biased... Um, you can see that point, and it's like, yeah, somebody screwed up and they left Survivor. That's what happens. Yeah, and I think the real debate that has been taking place is the degree to which she screwed up and what it says about her as a person or a Survivor player or whatever. Yeah, and, you know, the person stuff is never interesting to me because people aren't. But as a player, I'm ready to discuss it because, yeah... I actually want to hear the argument of what, how am I wrong when I suggest that Shireen, not so great at Survivor? Like, what evidence is there? What successes would you put on her resume? I, first of all, I got an overwhelming amount of my condolences messages yesterday. One of them spoiled me! Yeah, I know. As someone tipped, whoever it was that emailed you, actually, we'll get to it later because we're going to discuss that person's email. Someone emailed us at, you know, nine o'clock Eastern time. You do not watch the show that early, and we have a shared Purple Rock email account, so you got a nice little notification that sort of indicated who might be going home, and I'm sure shortly after you started watching, you figured out that it was very clear that it was Shireen. Um, anyway, I got a lot of condolences messages yesterday. Some of them were actually serious and sincere, and some were, you know, making fun of me, which I'm fine with, but... There were also a certain subset of people that just needed to inform me that Shireen is a terrible player. And so to them, again, not our wonderful listeners, but to them, let me say this. One of my favorite players ever is Tyson. You know this because the very first season we podcasted was Blood vs. Water. And Tyson's first season made it shortly after the merge. Then he went home. I loved him in that season. They bring him back for Heroes vs. Villains. He's the, what, second player to go home from his tribe? Correct. So then they bring him back for a third season, and I'm assuming he's never going to win because we've now got two seasons of watching Tyson. 
We know what he is. He's not going to change. He's not a great survivor player. But then he wins and wins convincingly. So I don't know that it's, you can say definitively that someone is a terrible survivor player based on what you see on the show. There are actually, I should take that back. There are certainly some people that you can say that about, but I think there is a certain subset of people that you can't necessarily. Shireen is just a player with flaws, which describes so many people that play this game. She's exceptionally good in one or two areas, specifically strategy, but she has flaws in other areas, just like Ozzy is exceptionally good at challenges, but exceptionally bad at not being a douchebag. Like, she's just not a complete player, which again, describes most people who play Survivor. Yeah, I think the difference is her flaws are quite pronounced, and that becomes a difficulty. Like, she is often, uh, or, yeah, she's, what we often see is a pre-merge boot. Uh, somebody that doesn't contribute enough in challenges, doesn't contribute enough at camp, and Unless she's in your alliance, I'm not sure what value she has to the people as a whole. And again, though, that's describing a large portion of the people who play this game. Right. And most of them don't get brought back or have, you know, a podcast be their official, you know, arm of their promotion. So, (laughs) Hey, I don't try to hide my biases whatsoever. And that was always my frustration. It's like, really? We're turning this entire show over to somebody who... If Joaquin wasn't good at basketball, would have been the second person out in her first season. I totally dispute that, but whatever. How can you dispute that? Seriously, if that tri- if the white collar tribe had gone to tribal council, mm-hmm. you seriously think that those people wouldn't have voted her out? Okay, so three people from that white collar tribe go to a new tribe, right? Who was the first person that went home? Max, because the people on the other side voted him out. But are you saying that Tyler and Joaquin would have voted Max out? I'm saying they would have chosen to keep Shereen? I'm saying Carolyn would have voted Max out. One person? So she somehow had the super powered I get all the votes. Carolyn, vote? Shireen, and Tyler's gonna have to fall in line. No, I think Tyler and Joaquin and Max would have voted the other way. Yeah, you think uh Tyler was a real big strategist gonna stand up for himself? Do you think Tyler would have gone out of his way to keep his beloved Shireen? I think Tyler would have gone out of his way to keep Carolyn around. <laughs> Right, and Carolyn was definitely the person that was going to lay it all on the line to protect Shireen. No, no, she would be the person laying it all on the line to take out Max. Yes, she was uh, quite a bold, bold game player. Uh, look, obviously you're an insane person who can't be convinced of anything, but that <laughs> tribe was ready to vote her out. If you say so. This this seems like revisionist history to me, but whatever. And also, we're talking about a hypothetical... Well, I mean, literally, it's revisionist, because they didn't Yeah, win. exactly. But the idea that she isn't somebody who would be frequently taken out in other circumstances is one that it does not have any bearing in what we've seen. But, yeah, that's not actually what I want to talk about. I want to talk about last night's episode, where she was the second person voted out in this, this season. Let's do that. Where What went wrong for Shereen? What went wrong was she made two real mistakes, like... We actually got an email about this, and it does a pretty decent job. So I'll, I'll quote our email, which was from someone on Twitter, at BowerPower116. Uh, he says, you got to be a little disappointed in Spencer and Shireen's game, no? For self-proclaimed survivor nerds, they made a lot of rookie mistakes in an all-returning player season, relying on Abby to be a rational part of your alliance and not babysitting her, letting someone else swoop in and rescue her. 
I would think she would know better than to leave the crazy person alone. If you are going to include Abby and all her drama in your alliance, then you have to be prepared for her to be irrational, and you can't be putting out Abby fires all the time. Then, to top it off, the first time she speaks to Wu, she berates him. Seems like a recipe for disaster. Wow, I should have really edited that email down. Anyway, so it does touch on, though, the two real mistakes which she made, which, one, was choosing to align with Abby at all. Yeah, I think a lot of people are like, how do you let that do that? How are you not babysitting Abby? I believe that she was babysitting Abby for like three to four days. I agree. It's just you cannot babysit Abby enough, which is why you don't align with Abby. Yes. So I'm going to call that the mistake that we always say is priority number one. Don't play your post-merge game pre-merge. You don't just pick the goatiest goat you can find and try to drag them to the end. There will always be goats available after the merge. Like last season, there were like six of them. Yeah, and like people who could be good eventually become goats just because of the way the game turns. Right. And generally, there's going to be more than one after the merge available for your picking. So don't fight too hard to keep your goat around, especially one that's not very predictable, which describes Abby to a T. Yeah, she might be the least predictable survivor player ever. Mm, I mean, Cass she's is, on, she's on, Cass is sitting right there, Andy. <laughs> yeah, she's up there, but I, I almost feel like you can, you, yeah, if you treat Cass with any kind, who knows? We'll find yeah. out. But, you know, there's a difference between Abby's you know, unpredictability and probably Cass's unpredictability. And maybe it's that Cass's is more effective and it will really surprise you because Cass doesn't flip out on anybody. Right? <laughs> That's what's so infuriating about her. Yeah, um, ask Trish about how Cass doesn't flip out on anybody. Ask Llama speaking Tony. That's right. Anyway, uh, we're getting uh, to uh, yeah. uh, sidetrack. Okay, here. so her other big mistake was not forming at least a working relationship. And I'm not talking about a friendship, just like a casual working relationship, like the people that you can't stand at your office, but you have to work with them. She needed to do that outside of her alliance. I get that there is absolutely no way she's ever going to get Terry to align with her. He just, he won't. <laughs> he he is not the type that would. But if her first real conversation with Wu was really when her back was up against the wall, which is what we saw on the edit last night, that's a failure on her part. There should have at least been some sort of groundwork laid before that. So if she ever needed to build anything there, there was already a foundation laid. Yeah, I actually love the Wu scene, um, irrespective of uh, who was involved, because you see it all the time in Survivor, where you know the desperate person turns to the person that they think is on the bottom of the other alliance, and they talk down to them, and they're like, "Oh, you, you know, you don't see it, you're gonna go." And yeah, Wu, Wu of all people, just laid it out. And it's like, who are you to talk to me like this? And now, you know, why haven't you been talking to me before? You know, I'm not. Yeah, I know what I'm doing and you don't and you're going to go home as a result. And it was like, it was satisfying on that respect because, you know, every player out there is somebody that is worthy of your attention and respect. Well. Simply because they <laughs> all have a vote. Yeah, and that that is the concern that you have to have. Uh Yeah, credit to Wu because even if she's right, and maybe she is, that he's on the bottom of that, that alliance, which would not be surprising in the least judging by Varner's pregame alliance video. So what? I mean, what is he going to do? Flip to become the bottom of the other alliance? Like, he made the right decision. Sorry, there's there's not a groundwork there. There's no trust built there that makes him think he'd be safe to flip. No, these people are talking to them. These people are better aligned to his way of thinking. 
and he has plenty of options. And you know what? You can talk about Wu being a terrible Survivor player all you want, except that he was one vote away from winning Survivor, and Shireen has never come close. So, yeah, and look, I think she's a better strategist than Wu. I'm not being crazy talk here or anything like that. But, you know, she did just get outplayed by Terry Dietz. Like, there there are things here that need to be said. And Hey, to be fair, technically, Sari would have gotten outplayed by Terry Dietz then. No, I'm talking about like last night. Terry made the move that doomed Shireen and brought, you know, dug himself out of a grave. She was riding high and she crashed like, you know, a plane that Terry wasn't flying. Um, <laughs> well done. Actually, so yes, you've said, uh, earlier and I didn't, uh, attack you on this one that, she, you know, she's a good strategist. And I think that is a point worth discussing. Um, we on the internet, you know, survivor nerds, we've already gotten to a place where we're very casually dismissive of the physical aspect of Survivor. Oh, oh, oh um, idiots like Savage and Terry Deeds, they don't know how to play Survivor. It's not all about winning challenges. Yeah, well, that's because we couldn't actually win challenges ourselves. Yeah, and, you know, the most recent winner of Survivor did it through winning challenges. Um, but yeah, so, and, and honestly, I'm, I'm not disabusing that. I do think uh, physical is probably the least important. But... I think we've gotten to a place as a community that we drastically overrate the importance of strategy as well. And I think that's what's happening here. I think that's what's happened with Shireen, with Spencer, is that they're thinking in strategy. They're talking about strategy. I'm, I feel akin and aligned to Kelly and Spencer because they were the only rational thinkers. And it's like, that's not what Survivor is. Survivor, first and foremost, is about social relationships. And we talk about social game because we, we, we like this show as a game. And we talk about gaming and strategy and game. But in many ways, it's not about the social game. It's about your social skills. And when I say that she's ultimately probably not a good Survivor uh, player is I think that's something she just doesn't have. It's just not a tool in her kit. And I say this almost as a reflection of the noticing of this about myself, <laughs> and that is probably where I would fail at this point in my life as well. You know, Andrew Savage doesn't have a social game. He's just charismatic. Oh, we'll talk about Savage later. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's stick with Shireen for one more minute. No, I think it'd probably be more than one minute. But uh, <laughs> And I think that's where she lacks. She doesn't... She can't make those social connections. And we say, oh, Terry was never going to talk to somebody like her. Probably, but, you know, at the same time, he was able to make a connection with Abby Maria, of all people. Like, if it was a tool on her kit, maybe she could break that barrier with a Vetus, with, uh, you know, a Woo. Uh, okay, couple quick points here. One, Terry has the benefit of swooping in to only have to be Abby Maria's quote-unquote buddy for a couple hours, whereas Shireen and her alliance had to carry that weight for the first five or six days of the game. That is completely fair. I will give you that okay. point. Okay. Um, secondly, you quoted her from her exit interview. She was talking about how Kelly and Spencer were the only rational players. So I guess we'll call that flaw number three, for, or mistake number three from her game, because you cannot expect that Survivor is going to have rational, logical players. They don't cast for that. They cast for nut jobs. They want crazy characters. They do want some crazy strategists in there. Not crazy as in insane, but crazy as in great. But you can't imagine that everyone is going to behave rationally and in the way that you want them to. That's why 
Yule and Cochran were very successful because their strategy was, and Boston Rob as well, if I can't predict what you're going to do, I'm going to get rid of you immediately because I want to keep rational people around. Yeah, she saw Vetus as a big threat, and he was. But it turns out the bigger threat is the person who you cannot predict, and that's not Vetus. She had him red. Yeah, she, she had, had him pegged. figured out. You know, uh, but you can't predict it, Ivy Maria, and I'm sure she knows that now. Uh, she made a bad call, and it hurt her. And I'm not gonna, you know, criticize her too much. I'm not gonna say she's the worst player of all time, but I will say that this is something that season after season after season. Oh, always frustrates me. It's a big problem I have is when people take worthless goats and try to make something of it. It's like, I can't wait for them to get burned when they do that. And frankly, when it happened week one, I was like, you know, I think Shireen might get burned by Abby. And you did not think that. No, well, because I thought she was going to turn on Abby in this episode and... Well, she kind of did. Yeah. Okay. So, and that's the thing is that she revealed in her exit interview that, uh, it was going to be Spencer as the target from the other side once they'd lost Abby, but she was willing to have gone after Abby because people in her alliance were like, okay, I don't want to carry her anymore. Then she tries to keep her alliance intact and it ends up drawing the target to herself when she could have just offered up hey guys, yeah, I'm fine with Abby, let's take her out. And she tried to keep a number. She should not have done that. Yeah, and that's that was basically what I was saying last week. I don't know if I said it on our podcast or even on the predictions one, but later as we got discussing, it's like, I think Shireen's going to work too hard to keep Abby and that's going to hurt her. I didn't think it was going to uh, lead to her elimination right. this week. But you know, and you were like, no, 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 she'll get rid of Abby. She needs to, it's like. Oh. Yeah, and I think that's it. That's the strategy. She's like, okay, she's my number, and these people are on the other side, and it's us against them, and I need at least one more. And and it's like, no, it's it's about people. It's about camp life, and yeah, we are definitely going to talk about Bion, uh, not just you know because we feel like we have to, <laughs> but I feel like there's a really important parallel that's been happening that we have that the show really has been commenting on. Right. Um. Well, so the last point I want to make. I talked about Shireen should not have tried. And she actually had some actual capital to expend in the game. And using it to keep Abby, or also, I guess, Spencer potentially too, is just not worth it. Like, she tried to turn the vote around on Varner instead, which wasn't shown apparently. And that's what got the target on her. Again, you have capital. Keep it until you really need to expend it. Like, in this case... We got this episode about Abby where it was hilarious that they're trying to make us feel sympathetic about Abby in the same episode where they show us Abby having a normal, polite conversation with PG and then suddenly switch flip. What the F, bro? Getting all up in PG's face. Like, where did this come from? And the same thing. I'm going to go annoy Terry and Varner and all them. She's a crazy person. She is not worth your time and effort. And then the episode tries to make you feel sympathetic for her, which... I don't know if it did. I don't think the episode was interested in making us feel sympathetic. I thought they they laid it on thick. Come on, they did the crying and the sad No, I think the episode was showing where they screwed up with Abby. But no, I mean, they showed Abby being annoying with Terry. They showed Abby being annoying. I don't think the show is interested at all in Abby being a sympathetic figure. I think they're interested in showing how not 
babysitting Abby will burn you. I think that's the story that, you know, the Brazilian dragon will burn you. <laughs> well, apparently they were also interested in trying to stretch some narrative about, uh, Shireen not standing up for someone or something. I don't know. It was, it was pretty bad. Well, I will say that that's the story that Abby was giving. So, uh, you know, straight up. What, what Abby went through and what Shireen went through are not the same things. But to Abby, it was. <laughs> And that's where you get back to how different players are motivated in different ways. Abby's a crazy person. She's motivated in a different way. And in her mind, she watched on TV where Shireen was talking about how nobody ever stood up for me. And all of a sudden, she's there. And it doesn't matter to Abby that she caused all this because it's not in her head. That's not how her head works. Uh, in her head, is like, now everybody's laughing at me and who's sticking up for me? Oh, look, there's Terry Dietz. And that's, that was the comparison and the parallel made by a character on their show. And thus it becomes a very easy one to tell. Yeah. Because structurally, not, not in terms of degrees, not in terms of actually, you know, who's working, it kind of resulted in similar things. The difference is this was a bad game move, not a bad human move. So what's weird is, Shireen really wasn't, cause I went back and watched it because I was like, I don't really remember Shireen saying anything about Abby. And she, the only thing she said is that she was tired of babysitting Abby. And then PG just goes off. Right. And I, and I guess Abby, rather than getting upset at PG, who was going off on Abby, she gets upset at Shireen for not sticking up for her when Shireen was also standing there venting. Right, right, but you're trying to apply logic to the situation. I'm talking about crazy yes. Abby troll logic. In Abby's mind, this is what happened. She came up on people attacking her, much like somebody was attacking Shireen. Again, it, that's not what really happened. This no. is Abby, Abby world, okay? <laughs> We're entering the world of illusion here, yeah. Yeah. Everybody is sitting around laughing and ostracizing Abby, and Shireen, the person in Abby's mind, who was very against this sort of thing, who... Abby felt was going to be a bond about this because uh, Abby was equally persecuted in the Philippines, don't you know? Um, <laughs> oh, God. Again, in Abby's delusional mind. And that person didn't do that. Like, I think the entire reason why she felt a connection to Shireen beforehand was she's like, oh, finally somebody who will get me. Somebody who would never do what those evil Philippines people did. And it's unfortunate that, you know... Shireen has to try and negotiate this twisted labyrinth of snakes, but that's what you get. And that's why you don't. And that's why we predicted Abby would be the first boot, because it's just like, yeah, as much as they're gamers, it's just like, take the wild card off the board and start anew. And I know Shireen thinks, like, there was no other option. It had to be Vetus. It, the other tribe weren't going to work with us. But it's like, you know, you can work for more than three days to get rid of somebody. It doesn't have to be right away. Well, one of the things we wanted to discuss was whether voting out Vetus over Abby was a mistake. And I'm I'm guessing you're in the yes camp on that. It's complicated. Um, I would say um, yes in that you should just get rid of Abby. <laughs> and it's just like I would never want to play anywhere near somebody like this because what happened could happen. However, dun -dun, <laughs> I'm not sure if, she, if Shreen gets rid of Abby that she's not the second person voted out anyway. Right, and that's the risk. Um, you really only make that move if you're convinced that it brings PG to your side to take Abby's spot. Mm -hmm. If she's not coming, you really don't have many other options. And I think there maybe would have been a play to convince PG if you give up Abby. But even then, ugh, it's it's tough. I understand 
why you'd want to keep Abby, just because get numbers advantage and then figure it out later. But I don't know that keeping Vetus would have helped them much in that challenge anyway, so you're pretty likely going to the first two tribal councils either way. And if Abby goes home first, Shireen or Spencer probably goes home next. Yeah, I mean, like, I will say that it's just, it, I think it illustrates that that was a tough spot. However, I still think that you get rid of Abby first and worry about the next later. Uh, Vetus might have been a little more helpful. Like, where they struggled was pulling in that second part of the challenge. But, uh, yeah, he's not, you know, a super muscly dude. Right. He, again, he might have, he was probably marginally better than Varner in that scenario. But I don't know if he's better enough for them to win. Like, they still needed to flip an entire puzzle all the way around. Right. A puzzle that was pretty tricky to figure out that they hadn't done it right. right. I looked at it, it's like, a, I guess they got it right, but the music cues aren't suggesting this. Plus, there's no story to buy on here other than, all right, Fishback, it's been real. Um, so then it's like, oh, okay, I guess it's not quite right. And then you see it, it's like, oh, yeah, I guess that looks better. Bad puzzle, probably. Anyway, um, so, yeah, I think they probably would have lost... There's no, there's definitely at least nothing to prove like, oh, getting rid of a strong player or like Vita's hurt them in the challenge. Right. I don't think anybody that is not horribly biased would argue that. Right. But I will say that I think the binary that, she, you know, she, I think, was one of the, the catalysts of setting off. By all indications, 30 minutes into the, uh, the game, she was like, Vita's, 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 Vita's. I think set up the scenario and the conditions where we have to have an Abby because we have to do it now. We can't wait. We can't, the, I can't, you know, feel woo out and figure it out. I can't solidify PG and bring Varner to my side, whom they assumed they had, right? Right. Like, well, yeah, she can all say now, it's like, I was never going to be able to work with Vetus and Terry. It's like, but you thought you were working with Varner. Like, you should have had majority without Abby. And then Abby is gone, and then it's four on five, right? Mm -hmm. And the difference is you have peaceful camp life. You have some time to work on it. And maybe the other side falls apart because they had to go to a tribal council. Who knows? As a general rule, just get rid of an Abbey. And, you know, if you're a good player, you'll you'll still have options. But it's so hard for a good player to play with somebody like her. It's just like poker. A good player can get beaten by an idiot who will just keep doing whatever because sometimes <laughs> the cards just show up. Exactly. That's at, what at a certain point, you're going to get a hand that will win. Yeah. And I think one thing that happened is that she, uh, by targeting Vetus, that jumped the gun on the game, right? It, it woke, uh, you know, Terry up from his slumber, certainly. Mm -hmm. Suddenly it's like, now we gotta target strategic threats. And, hey, who's a strategic threat? Her. You know? so, <laughs> whereas if they had just been like, oh no, let's, you know, let's calm camp life down a bit, let's get rid of this, and, you know, maybe we can all be, you know, nine people strong while plotting a little more delicately. Right. That might have been an option. But So I think it was a mistake, but I don't know if it was a major mistake. Right, and we should mention that we'll have a column that Emma's going to be writing for us coming out very soon that you cleverly titled, and I'm going to let you say what the title is. How do you solve a problem like Abby Maria? Yes. And it'll kind of get into that idea of what happens when you try to play with crazy goats. And whether it's possible and whether you should attempt it. Spoiler, no, you should not. Unless you're one of a very small group of people. Yeah, everybody can be like, well, Boston Rob did it with Philip. It's like, really? Four-time veteran Boston Rob, who has been playing for 10 years, was able to manage that? Yeah. Hmm. Like, and, yeah, 
probably my favorite thing that Shireen has said in post-game interviews is like, yeah, boss drop with Philip is very much a do not try this at home scenario. Yeah. Uh, it's, you leave that stuff to the experts. Yeah. And actually, this brings me to one last thought is, uh, when Tony won, um, Kageon, and he did it by playing ultra aggressive early and always, we said that one of the great outcomes from this is that people are going <laughs> to try to play like Tony and they are going to get burned. Mm-hmm. Was Shireen trying to play like Tony? That is a very good point that I grudgingly admit. I don't know that she was trying to play exactly like Tony. No, no, clearly not. But, but yeah, I mean, the aggressiveness, for sure, I, I think she would say the same thing. That she was, you know, picking her targets, taking them out quickly, and then keeping around the people that she needed to keep around. Or trying to, I should say. So, yeah, maybe she'd get burned by that. Yeah, and I think this uh, transitions to the next person we wanted to talk about, because maybe this is the person that's playing a Tony game better, or maybe it's the person setting himself up to be Abby's next victim. Oh, man. How great is Jeff Varner? The greatest. Uh, this is one topic that we will just unanimously agree on throughout the season. Varner is getting all of the screen time, and I do not care. I love a ton of players on this season, especially the one that we were just talking about, but I don't care. I want more Varner on my TV, and every time he's on it, I'm just smiling. He's great. He just radiates joy on my TV. Yeah, no, he's playing hard. He's taking control. I mean, obviously, as we'll get to the end, that control could be very limited, (laughs) Uh but it happened, and yeah, he played hard. He's playing both sides. He's flipping on people and then flipping back. He's giving the best confessionals uh, while making really odd fashion choices. Uh, <laughs> he explained that, by the way. Did he? Uh, uh, what's the explanation? So he tore off his sleeves, and then he put them back on. And his explanation was that he had gotten so badly sunburned on his arms that he needed to cover them back up. Okay, so why does he still wear the necktie? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> he didn't explain that one. <laughs> but I don't care. We're your flair, man. You be you. Yeah. Because you are glorious. He is. Oh. No, because this is, I mean, you pick people that you cheer for, and then you blindly do it throughout. And honestly, while it bothers me to no end, I think it's actually a good thing, especially for our dynamic, because that is, in fact, how a large portion of people watch Survivor. Exactly. And I think it's probably a fun way to watch Survivor. Um, I'm the other way is that, you know, I just, oh, that guy's doing really well. So I want to continue to see people do well. And it makes, in some ways, makes me weird in that I don't hate the seasons that other people hate in the same way that it's like, oh, it's boring. Only one good player. It's like, I don't care. Give me one good player. Give me one good player being awesome. I don't care if you dominate the edit with him because I enjoy seeing awesomeness. And that's what we're getting out of Jeff Varner. Yeah, you are a front runner type. But I will say, though, that I'm... I don't know what to make of how much airtime he's getting. I mean, we had this same problem with Tony early on where we're like, man, are they just showing him so much because he's a huge character and he's clearly going to flame out? We were clearly proven wrong there and we flipped to the right position, I think, ahead of most people. But there are so many other entertaining players on this season that I really do worry at this point that we're seeing him, seeing Varner so much. Because Survivor is just trying to give us as much Varner as they can before it all comes crashing down. Yeah, I'm not too worried about that. I mean, it, look, it could come crashing down at any moment. That was, of course, the glorious entertainment of Tony's game, is that it was a stack of cards. Yes. Um, 
I think when you're getting something like this out of a player like that, you're going to use it anyway. Of course. They could not use this. He is doing, like, he's upper echelon already in, like, the entertainment value that he can provide in Survivor. Very few people can work a confessional like he, like, the list is small. Right. Well, that, and, but that's what's concerning me is that there are probably other players on this season that would make that list. So since he's taking their airtime, I'm a little concerned. But again, are there though? Are there? Uh, I feel like Cass is going to spin you some gold. Right, right. But that's buy on. I think, yeah, I, I think way too many people are expending way too much effort in trying to read any level of edit out of buy on other than the Steven versus uh, Savage stuff. Yeah, that's it. Because there's no reason to tell that story. They themselves, by all indications, realize that they're not going to be on TV much right now because they're the boring truck. <laughs> They're dominating, they're doing well, they're getting along, like it's not interesting storylines. Takayo has all these bombs going off and they're floundering. That's where the story's gonna go. Don't read anything more into it. I mean, it's not a good look that certain people are being featured, but what would satisfy you? Like, they get five minutes out of that tribe. Right. So, uh, yeah, that, you know, he's taking Cass's time or all that. There's, there, there's time for that. As early as next week. Uh, but no, he's a superstar. Well, and one thing that I'm loving about him is that you can tell that he's delighting in the power that he has right now, but he hides it so well behind this like Mm -hmm. overwhelming joy of playing again that the real joy is that he's in power and he's in control of the game. But to the casual observer, he just looks like he's so excited to be there. He's just happy to be there. You know, just he's just happy to be there. Yeah, as Vetus oh, once said. Oh, golly gee, oh my! I'm gonna put on my affected Southern accent that people often mistake for being not bright, and I'm um, I'm just gonna be the kind of older guy. I'm a little pudgier, aren't I? The cute, you know, gay bear. Oh, I'm not a threat at all. And he is cutting throats left and right, and it's fantastic. And he's doing it with a smile, and it's yep. so fun to watch. And, like, even the people that are burned, like, I don't know if people have noticed this, but not everybody is uh, touchy-feely happy uh, at this uh, uh, social media about this. Certainly when it comes to, I don't know, crazy Brazilians. <laughs> but Varner, everybody loves Varner. Venus has nothing bad to say about Varner. Shireen has nothing bad to say about Varner. Nobody I don't does. expect the next boots will either. No. And because why Why would you have something bad to say about Varner? Only if you're awful. The the gold that he's spinning in confessionals where he talks about other people, even it's not super harsh anyway. It's just entertaining. And you know that face-to-face with these people, he's just a ball of charm. Hey, speaking of super awful things said in confessionals. Ooh, good transition. Uh, let's talk about Bion for a moment or two. And really, there, as I said, one story. Andrew Savage. Yeah, let's take up the banner for Andrew Savage, because I feel like he is getting a lot of hatred from the rest of the internet, and I understand why it's coming from the Rob Has a Podcast crowd. You guys are biased, and I totally respect that. And I want to make something clear. We love Fishback here, too. Fishback here, too. But we're also going to be the podcast that backs Savage. Also, we're going to be the only podcast that backs Savage, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, who knows? We don't really listen to a lot of other ones. But, uh, <laughs> oh, man. The hatred, at least among some of the circles we go, is fairly visceral. When people saying things, and then I think they're like, let's wait to hear. And like, sorry, we might lose listeners because we are not anti-savage. Now, my transition about bad things said in confessionals, what 
Andrew Savage said about Stephen Fishback in a confessional was shitty. It was very over the top. But, I mean, you knew what you were getting, or I should say we knew because we voted for him. We knew what we were getting when we voted Savage in. He is old school in a whole lot of senses. And, I mean, in Pearl Islands, that was the game. Like, that was his game. He really hasn't changed, which I didn't expect him to. If anything, he's become more savage than he was then. He is now peak dad, and he is just imposing his dadness on that tribe. And I like watching it. I don't care if the rest of you don't enjoy it. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, it was just a bad, bad thing to say about Steven. I'm not going to defend that at all, except to say that people say bad things on Survivor. And I, w- I would hope it's something that as he was watching it, he regrets. Because, you know... Somebody who is sneaky at Survivor is not immoral, does not lack values, does not lack dignity. That's just crappy. But everything else he's doing, Stephen, is not bullying people. It's not <laughs> bullying to want to vote somebody out in Survivor. It's not bullying to not connect with somebody in Survivor. By all indications, when they are having face-to-face interactions, when they are as a people, he is being nice and respectful to Stephen. Yes. And one of those indications is Stephen Fishback himself tweeting that. Yes. Um. And I should say that, because this is one of Emma's pet peeves that's happening right now, the definition of bullying is getting stretched a whole lot lately on the internet. And let's be clear, like, Shireen was not bullying Abby Maria. Savage is not bullying Fishback. Shireen last year did get bullied. Agreed. Anthony and Fiji did get bullied. Very much agreed. Those are examples of bullying on Survivor. Yes, wanting to vote somebody out, not wanting somebody to be in your alliance, uh, turning other people against somebody so they will vote them out. These things are not bullying. These things are survivor. Yes, that is the game. And look, I mean, could it burn Savage? Absolutely. And we'll talk about that as well. But here's where nobody wants to give Savage any credit because he doesn't have an official promotional arm and a bunch of friends within the survivor community. Uh, his tribe is winning because of his approach. His kumbaya, we are a family, we are together, we are not going to be backstabbers, we are going to build, we are going to work out, we're going to let Joe create us hammocks, is helping them dominate another tribe. And the tribe build unity, I think, has value in Survivor, and if you don't think so, ask Takeo, because they have none. Yeah, and here's the fun thing, alliances could be forming right now, but they're not getting tested. So if you've agreed to be everybody's ally, it hasn't been tested yet. So when the swap comes next week, they're all still your ally. You haven't proven them otherwise. Everyone but Fishback. Right. Um, <laughs> which, yeah, it could be a problem. But yes, there is value in the way Savage is playing. We'll see how it continues to play. Um People are wondering why isn't he changing it? Because in his mind, he doesn't need to. Yeah, he was he was on the right path until a completely unforeseen thing. And it's like, well, he shouldn't have been jerk to them. He certainly shouldn't have been a jerk to Lil once she came back in the game. <laughs> but being a jerk to Skinny Ryan when you're voting him out, well, who cares? Every time up until that moment, and every time since when you voted somebody out, they were gone, unless you were otherwise told they were going to some stupid island for some stupid games. Right. So. That's not a mistake. It's not a good look. As I've said, everybody is an asset. Everybody is somebody on that island is worthy of your respect because they could vote you out. And that's the lesson of Savage. Well, and here's one of the impressive things about Savage. Like, I said he's imposing his will on that tribe. Look at Cass. Cass has, like, stars in her eyes. She's mesmerized. And this is 
This is Cass, who I love dearly because she cares about no other human beings. She is peak troll and Savage is peak dad and peak dad is winning out, which is amazing. Yeah, no, and look, everybody on the internet, because we are snarky, unemotional beings, are like, ah, 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 with his story about his you know, amazing life and his amazing wife. The people there were eating it up. Oh, man. Every one of them that wasn't Fishback was just like, I love this man, and I will run a brick wall for him, and he's making me think of myself. And that's what I was getting at when it comes to social game. Well, he might not have a social game. He has social skills. He has charisma. Those people like him, and I'll let you talk. Well, and, and that was, was what was so funny is, you know, these people are saying, oh yeah, he's like describing myself. Yeah. The totally relatable story of I married an international beauty queen lawyer and she's great and she's my world, you know, just like everybody else does. Yeah. And look on paper or even on your couch, those details are like, wow, this is not something I can relate to, but what people were relating to is his vulnerability yes. about his sharing his emotions about family members. Cause it's like, I feel that way, or I wish somebody would feel that way about me. And that's what was happening. And yeah, if, if he did it on Takeo, wouldn't have worked at all. Totally put a bullshit. And they would have like, wank, wank, wank. <laughs> but there with those people, he was making a very strong bond with every one of them. And Stephen Fishback, God bless him, totally read the room wrong on that point. Right, because you have to look around. And remember, they've, at this point, been gone from their families for probably two weeks. Because I think there was a good week before the game started. They're about a week into the game. So the people there that have families, uh, which is basically everybody other than, what, Joe, Monica, and Stephen. So everybody else there is probably missing their family. And that's something they can relate to. The missing the family, they're all having those same emotions. Whether they have the exact same meet-cute story that Savage had or not, that doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. Now, on a funny note, um, when he was telling a story and it was, you know, rising to a crest and all of that, and, and you know, I, I need a minute. I, my, literally, my wife was on the couch. She's like, did she die? <laughs> <laughs> and I just started laughing, like, no, he just misses her. It's like, it felt like it was going like she died. <laughs> yeah, the musical cues did not, <laughs> did not do their, uh, or did not have their intended effect on your wife. She's like, well, then what's he crying about? Like, this is how easy the cynicism from our couches is. My wife is like, what's he crying about? It's like, you would do nothing but cry if you were on Survivor. <laughs> you cry at commercials. Like, I can't believe you're not crying now. Oh, man. Uh, I, I was actually kind of enthused there. I was like, oh, wow. Andy found an emotionless human being to marry. Nope, nope. No. Uh, she did. Oh. Um, <laughs> well, right. I know. I was going to say, you would have been the match made in robot heaven. So I will say, other than Jeff Farner, Andrew Savage is the MVP of this game so far. And if you don't like it, sorry. Yeah. Who else are you going to pick from that tribe? Who else is running it based on what we've seen? It's Savage. Yeah, and I will also say that I anticipated something like this happening. Maybe not everybody going in tears about him talking about his gorgeous model wife, but he was set up so well with that tribe, and uh, that might not last. Yes. Uh, and, and we had said from the beginning, like, there is a situation that could be good for him. And I think you even said in the preview podcast, like, this group that he's with, will be a good fit for him, and you were right on that. 
Yeah, and I will say, I think we probably all overestimated, like, oh, they're returnees, and they're gamers, and there's going to be so many backstabs, and blah, blah, blah. And obviously some of those, because everybody, like, was talking big game in their, uh, you know, vote for me segments. But you look around, and it's like, there's a lot of Savage, and Deets, and Joe, and Jeremy, and Tasha, and Wu, and Keith. Like, this might be a return of old school Survivor to use their own narratives. <laughs> Hey, that's a great transition to our next next topic, because uh, we wanted to discuss, because the show has put such a fine point on it, that there is an old school versus new school dynamic. At least that's what they'd have us believe. Do you think that's a real thing, or is that just the edit trying to, to force a story on it? It's hard to say, because it's coming out of the mouths of the players themselves, but, you know, we also know the show is very good at inserting things into the mouths of players themselves. Like, suddenly, no color becomes a phrase in the human language. Right. The producers will take you aside, and they'll say, tell us about how being old-school Survivor is affecting your game. And then you have to answer that question. You don't get to see the producer's question. You just see the confessional of them saying, well, you know, I'm old school, and so I think blah, blah, blah. And suddenly, you've got your old school dynamic because people are talking about it. Yeah, especially when you have savvy players. It's like, okay, I see what you're looking for. I'll give that to you. Yep. But I don't know. You kind of look at the cast. You look at how some of these people are really trying to shape this game. And if it's an invented narrative, there's stuff to invent it with. Yeah, I mean, it, and they could be using worse narratives too. They certainly have in the past. So I'm, I'm fine with it. You know, if, if this is how they want to wrap the pre-merged part of the story, sounds good. I'm all on board. Yeah. No, I mean, I think what people are chafing against is the implication that old school might be better, but I don't know if they're leaning too hard into that no. because, you know, Jeff Farner is still the star and he's not playing an old school game. He wasn't playing an old school game. When he was in the old school. Right. And he even mentioned that in the first episode of this season. He's like, you know, when I came out to Australia, I was ready to play and they were trying to build shelters and, you know, start a society. Now, you know where else he mentioned that? In an interview with me before he was cast. Um, High five. So, yeah, I think it, I think it kind of a thing because of the type of people that got voted in, you know? Yeah. And I think. One of the other things that maybe is a little bit more contrived that they're trying to lay on with the edit this season is this second chance narrative and are people repeating the same mistakes that they've made before. They're trying a little too hard to force that because I don't think it's there yet. There probably will be some people that go out in the exact same way. And really, if that's what they're setting up with Andrew Savage, that he plays the exact same game as last time and then he ends up going home, that's fine. And in Savage's defense, how would he know that that would be a game that would send him home? Because really, he got sent home last time because of an insane twist that will not happen again. Yeah, and then you see it with Joe, how people are still talking about how amazing he is and that he'll be a big threat that they'll need to get rid of at some point. Um, same time, it's like, is that him repeating anything or is that because he is, you know? Um, Abby is clearly uh, not re repeating things. So I think the show is, you know, pushing a narrative there, but I do think it's actually kind of interesting in that how much can you really change? Because everybody came talking a big game and they're going to do different things and I'm not going to make the mistakes that I made before, but a lot of times your mistakes is you. Yeah, yeah, your personality, which again, hard to change on a dime. You know, you can't just turn that thing around. 
And it becomes even more hard to change the further you get in Survivor, the further you get from not eating well and not sleeping well and living in the paranoia of the game. So I do think it actually, you know, as much as it's fun to criticize the show for just inventing narratives, even though it's like, well, welcome to Survivor, um, the television show, people. Um, the other, it's, it might actually be really interesting that, you know, we're just doomed to repeat it. We are who we are. And, uh, Maybe the person who wins is the person who can successfully break that mold, or it could be what we were kind of predicting in the preseason, and not to pat ourselves on the back, a lot of people were, the people that will succeed are the people with no history right. to repeat. who don't have a narrative. Yeah. Yeah. And one of those people is doing well in Kelly Wentworth. Yeah. Uh, and she started to develop a narrative in episode one. It kind of trailed off a bit last night, but, I mean, she's... She did at least get a quick confessional, I think, saying why she was going to the other side because they had the numbers. Totally understandable. Yeah, and she had her bit moment where she was, you know, unwrapping her idol, which again is something that would have happened anyway. Right. And it looks like she got the good-looking idol, so here's hoping yeah. that the stick is still out there. Yeah, because a reminder, one of the gimmicks this season is that they are going to have an idol that looks like a five-year-old made it, according to Jeff Probst, and I'm super excited for that one to get found. Wouldn't it be crazy if she's the one who finds it and she's like, what the crap is this? And just tosses it aside. (laughs) Because she already has proof of what the idol looks like. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So um, we had a lot of talk last week, some feedback about our show, uh, that people liked it. And even though some of them watched us and they still say that. (laughs) um, And they were, but one thing people were wondering about is one of our regular segments, the 0% Club, was not there. And that wasn't necessarily a mistake, although I think you forgot completely. I did. Um, we're going to try not having it this year. Um, oh, just, I say, I say we have it rarely this year. Yeah, I will say we're going to try. I'm not sure we'll succeed because apparently people don't change and you're doomed to repeat the mistakes of the past. Yes. Um, I'll just say that uh, I started to find after a while was diminishing returns. And maybe it's just because we came off two seasons back to back that we didn't quite enjoy very much. But I I found that when we are constantly looking for reasons why people should be vote that can't win, everything becomes a reason why people can't win. And the interesting thing about Survivor is people still win. Yeah, and I might be a little selfish in my motivations for bringing it back because I am the lone person that has never gotten a pick wrong. Yeah. Yeah. About that. Like, absolutely. I, I obviously will always have to wear the fact that the, the night I decided to do this feature, I decided to be all bold and pick Tony. Um, but like there's two different ways of being wrong. And I feel like we've been wrong the other way. Absolute wrong. No, because like one person wins and we've done it four seasons. So the math is on our side. Although yep. again, Matt screwed it up his first time <laughs> for the same reasons. Yep. Hubris. But I do feel like we've inducted people who had a chance. They just didn't win. It's a stretch, but I, I think at some point during this season, if there becomes some clear edit signals that certain people are just not going to win this game, we're probably going to shine a spotlight on that. Well, absolutely. We'll never stop talking about how you know, Edit is telling us certain things. I mean, we're not hardcore uh, about Edgic or anything like that. But, yeah, it's a television show, and tele- narratives tell us things. Um, yeah, you should and yes, clarify we might even what Edgic a- is, by the way. Nah, if you know, you know, and if you don't, you don't okay. care. Uh, Google it, I people. I only read a brief sentence or so, and I'm like, eh, wank, wank, wank. Um, 
But uh, but we might have a formal segment when it makes sense. I just I felt like too often uh, weekly it's like well now I got to pick somebody else. So instead, what are we doing, Andy? Uh, instead, we are going to talk about people who are on the upswing and people who are falling. So rising and falling is our new segment. And uh, quickly, uh, as much as we do that, who do you got in the rising column this week? I'll say Savage, who was. On the uptick, the first episode anyway, he just solidified it a bit in this episode. Joe, believe it or not, rising. And hey, why not? Woo, because when you start from the bottom, it's very easy to rise. Uh, so Joe, uh, just why Joe? Only because Joe has at least made himself useful. And we've already talked about how narrow the window is for Joe's potential victory. He's at least following the correct steps for it so far. Yeah, he's nudged that window open a bit. You know, I think, like, well, you predicted him as first boot. Um, a lot of people were there, and I think a lot of people who, like, were like, oh, I gotta go after a guy like Joe, <laughs> were on to KO. Um, but I think it's just showing, it's like, you know what, he's just too darn useful to burn early. Maybe, yeah, if you feel like a merge is coming on, you do it then, but, wouldn't you want to just live in a camp like with that guy? Wouldn't you rather do challenges knowing that, you know, maybe you don't have to kill yourself because you've got, you know, a difference maker there? Because he seems even better at it this time, which, frankly, isn't that surprising. People get better at things the more they do them. Yeah, with practice. Yeah, so I I, I agree with Joe. Uh, I didn't have him on my list, but uh, I think I think he is now somebody who it's like he might have a chance Whereas before, not so much. Right. You might have already put him in the 0% club if we remembered to do this before. <laughs> and so one of the other reasons that he'd be rising is because now we know there is going to be a switch to three tribes next week. And suddenly his value increases for the reasons you just said. When you suddenly have six people on your tribe, one-sixth of them being very, very good at challenges is kind of valuable. Yeah, and those challengers are both immunity and reward. And rewards are pretty great to get. Um, so yeah, I think, I think he's, uh, now safe for a bit. Uh, my list of rising, uh, the first is obvious, Farner. Uh, obviously it's, yeah, probably why you didn't think of him is you already had him sky high. Right. But he got even better this week, right? Yeah. He was in a possible tough spot at the end of last episode and wiggled right out of that, like no problem. Um, Terry. Terry looked like he was doomed and now he's in a... Okay spot. Yeah, that, might be... that feels like one of those started from the bottom, now we hear things. Yeah, well, he's rising. <laughs> he is now somebody we have to, like, come on. Terry made the strong social play. What world are we living in, people? Oh, God. Yeah, it's, as you pointed out, it's easier to do when you're desperate, but he was relatively desperate in Panama, and he never did. Like, would you have in a million years pegged him as the person to seal that bond? No. I almost feel like he was like going down to the beach to take an aqua dump and just stumbled upon Abby and he was like, Oh, hey, and engaged in small talk and she's like, Oh, you're nice to me, be my best friend. Bias is so much fun because yeah, you'll see any little thing as a pro screen thing, but when clearly somebody did something well, it's like, ah, he just stumbled into that. Ah, I'm not gonna give Terry any credit. Like when Terry gets voted out, you're not gonna give him any nearly amount of the excuses that you will somebody you like. Like, oh well, anybody can go out and Tyson wasn't very good and all this stuff. Hey, to be clear, I'm very upfront about that. I told you what you're getting coming in. It's not like I try to hide this. That's right. Like Terry himself. Uh and then yeah, I'll also throw in Woo uh similarly. It's like, well, 
I didn't think you had it in your woo. Yeah. I don't know if it'll mean anything. But... Yeah, it's not like you did much, but you did more than I thought you would do, which was absolutely nothing. All right, who's falling? Spencer, for one, who is yeah. familiar with the spot that he's in right now. Uh, and... It's obvious, but yes, the, yeah. he's in a very bad spot. Yes, uh, although, you know, we're about to get a tribe switch, and he could completely reset that at any time. Like, I think Spencer was the only obvious answer, and, like, falling is, like... Yep. Because he was on top at yes. the end of last episode and the very bottom. Uh, it's harder to, yeah. The only person who fell farther than Spencer had her torch left. Um, I felt the other one was tough. It's just it, it, Stephen continues to fall. Yeah, except the problem is that, again, I, the reason I didn't include him is that we're about to get a tribe swap, which he desperately needs. Oh yeah, like this could be his salvation. I will caution a little bit that everybody's like, oh, Stephen's in great shape, Stephen. We don't know how the swap's going to go. And we should point out, you and I literally, at the time of this taping, do not know how the swap is going to go. Yeah, the information is available, and we are intentionally avoiding it. So if we speculate on how tribes might go, that's total speculation. We have no information on it. And then probably when we hit stop, we'll just go find out. Because CBS is going to spoil us anyway. Absolutely. Uh, It's just we figured you guys would not want us to be... Yeah, with that spoiled information. We just err on the side of caution, basically. Yeah, this could, this is what Steven, uh, has needed. This is what he's been waiting for. This is huge. He needed this. Yeah. It still might not work out for him. He could get swapped with, like, you know, Savage Tasha, t- uh, Jeremy's Joe or something. Yeah, exactly. like, ah, nuts. I mean, on the plus side, he's probably not going to travel council again, but his stock hadn't, won't have improved at all. Yeah. So I'm struggling to even think of anybody else yeah. who really fell. Yeah, I mean, everybody else, I mean, maybe Kelly fell, Wentworth fell a bit, and that now she has to fight back, but I think she's equipped to do so. No, so, I, think, yeah, I, I think Kelly's still in a fine position. I, the, the the one that I was going to maybe throw out there is PG, who now has to live with Abby. Yes. All right. Uh, so, yeah, as we alluded to, we need to make predictions for next week with very little information for which to go on. Uh, it's They're going to three tribes. At 18 people, so basically it's like a season started six days in. Yep, and as I discussed with you when we were making our weekly staff picks with the rest of our Purple Rock crowd, this is basically just like throwing a dart at the board, because you don't know how the tribes are going to shake out, you don't know who's going to lose the challenge, so really, you're just randomly guessing a name for the most part. Yeah, uh, all we have is what we, you know... Is there anything from the edit in the first two episodes we can pull? What have we seen from these players thus far that might tell us something? I mean, obviously, when we're making our preseason predictions, we're just basically going on interviews, past performance, and at least we also had tribe divisions. Um, so there might be a little something to pull from, but at the same time, we're not really expecting to score very highly this week. No. If it happens, it'd be like, eh. It happened. Uh, so, so what do you got? So my random dice roll of a pick, I believe, was Kimmy. That is correct. And because she's Kimmy, right? Yep. The answer was Kimmy. Yeah. So for two weeks now, I've predicted that Abby Maria will be the first person uh, booted from her tribe. I'm just going to let that one roll. Like, <laughs> yeah. It, it, one of these weeks, I will be right. Uh, so <laughs> why not now? Because, yes, uh, she won again, but... Anytime she goes and meets new people, there's a good opportunity that those people will be like, we gotta get this crazy chick out of here. Okay, just because... make me this one deal though. Like, if, if you keep predicting her and you keep being wrong, stop predicting her. 
Obviously. Reverse Jason. Might... <laughs> I don't want to carry her on. Because here's the thing. I didn't vote for her, people. You can't blame me. You voted for Kodos. That's right. Are you sure it's not Kronos? <laughs> um, so, yeah. And I will, uh, one last note is that we will be resurrecting the fan predictions on our site. Um, it seems like the major spoiler out there was this three, three tribe division with some scenes that may have been able to allow you to deduce. It's like, well, Vetus ain't there. And maybe that Shireen wasn't there. I don't know. Yeah. And if that was what was spoiled because we tried to avoid spoilers at all costs, thank you guys for not intentionally spoiling me on that. Although I guess it would have given me at least some time to prepare emotionally. Yeah. But in other ways, yeah, I'm glad we didn't run the poll this week if that's, that was indeed what spoiled. Exactly. Obviously, there are other spoilers out there. I feel like those are more on the darker internet, and I feel like you guys will avoid them. The, like, that one was a goof by CBS. So we are hoping that people will not use this silly little checkbox game <laughs> as a way of like, ha, 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 this is who it is. So if you are the type of person who finds out that information, whether on purpose or not, because sometimes it's going to happen that you might get spoiled because other crappy people are out there. Just just don't vote. There's the, yeah. You don't get nothing out of being right, other than the small satisfaction of being part of a group of people who proved to be better at predictions than we, and that's an incredibly low freaking bar. So yeah. this is a fun participatory thing about people who visit our site. Um, even more fun is if you leave a comment. Where can they do that, John? They can do it at purplerockpodcast.com. We put up stuff throughout the week, so check in every day. There's always something new. I already mentioned that we've got a, an article, or sorry, a post coming up from Emma about goat management. Uh, I will be my, doing my parody of Stephen Fishbach's People column with my People's Survivor blog, and I'll be handing out a dead fishy this week. I'm not going to give any sort of spoilers about who it might be. What else do we got coming up, Andy? Uh, we will post our staff predictions chat, which this week was a lot of shrug emoji. Uh, and then uh, every Wednesday, uh, we will be doing a live blog, and it seems to be kind of fun. I'm not there live. I can't be there live, but people are enjoying it. Uh, check it out. You can be part of the conversation as it happens, or the conversation stays open all week. Um, we like conversing with you guys. Yeah, we uh, like you said, you can't necessarily jump in right away, but you always do after you've seen the episode, and by then there's usually 200 comments or so, and it's going very well. Like, we've got a lot of great comments going on back and forth there, and it's a good community to join. If you enjoy talking about Survivor in longer format than Twitter, then come on and join us. If you like talking about it in the 140 characters of Twitter, and please, God, let it remain 140 characters. Yes. Um, you can follow us at Purple Rock Pod. You can follow me at Purple Rock Andy. And the I like other how contributors... you hesitated there, like you forgot your name. I might have <laughs> for a moment there. And it's weird because I use my real one. Yep. Um, Unless my name really is Pod. <laughs> it's short for Podrick. <laughs> um, you can email us, purplerockpodcast at gmail.com. And subscribe to the podcast. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. Search for Purple Rock Podcast. Search your Google for Purple Rock Podcast, and you might be pleasantly surprised where you find us. Or no, Survivor Podcast. <laughs> yeah. If you search for Purple Rock Podcast and we don't come up first, that's a failure on our part. We're going to be somebody all about the moody blues. <laughs> all right. Uh, anything else? That's it. Hit the theme music. 
that's what it's like when a woman wants a baby.